what's your lightest, leanest thing that you could bring to market with the least investment and preparation possible, just using what you already know to make a difference in the world. And then you can test that idea and get it out there. You might well be able to do that alongside your nine to five before you burn any bridges. Welcome to the Quit Work Podcast, 15-minute conversations with people who have quit their job and gone their own way. I'm Mark, and today I'm talking to Maya Middlemiss, a host of the Future is Freelance podcast. Maya's an advocate for solopreneurship, as well as an author of books on working from home, so she's interested in some of the same possibilities for the future of work as I am. Maya, welcome to the Quit Work Podcast. Oh, it's great to be here, Mark. It's always really interesting to talk to other people who are operating in this space and exploring all the exciting possibilities available to us now when we're redefining what work and both starting it and quitting it has come to mean today. So let's start with freelancing. I mean, you have a lot of interests across the future of work, but I think freelancing is a really underrated way of working independently. So perhaps you could start by telling us a little bit about your own experience with freelancing. Sure. I mean, I've been full-time freelancing now for just over five years because I used to be in a job and I ended up living a long way from home in another country. And then when the job ended, I wanted to stay away. And I'm living in Spain and it's not my first language. I couldn't really get a job here easily. So I turned to freelancing and it suited me really well. But I think five years ago, you had to kind of make a decision. It was the corporate world or work for yourself, build something. Whereas I think what I love now is the fact there's much more fluidity, much more balance, and it's much more up to the individual to define the kind of work they want to do and then figure out the context or the contract that's going to enable them to do it. There are lots more sort of fractional roles, portfolio careers. People can build something that's a little bit tied to one organization, but gives them some independence, or they might collaborate in something like a DAO, which is much more communally owned or collective. There are non-executive directorships, consultancies, all sorts of ways you can build a career that doesn't necessarily mean working under a full-time employment contract. In a way, it kind of reduces risk having more than one thing going on. You know, full-time employees think they've got their life safe, but they can be laid off at any moment. Whereas if you've got a couple of things going on, it gives you greater flexibility. Definitely. This is not a time of stability and certainty in the world at the moment. And I am really relieved that my sources of income and activities are spread across multiple baskets. I think freelancers have tremendous resiliency and elasticity to cope with changing circumstances. And at the end of the day, an employment contract is only as long as your notice period. You know, there have been so many layoffs. I work a lot with emergent tech and really in the tech space, it's a bloodbath at the moment. All over LinkedIn, there are layoffs. And yeah, I would hate to be 100% all in on anything at the moment. Often when we think of entrepreneurship, we we think of creating a new product. But I think a lot of people don't realise how long it can take to make money from a new product, from actually creating something to actually bringing in some income. So if you have a skill that's in demand, you can start making money from freelancing relatively quickly. So what do you think, you know, we've touched on a couple of them. What do you think are the benefits of freelancing? Well, I think it's the autonomy, really, the self-directedness. That can be scary at first if you're used to some guide rails in the form of line management or some kind of structure from outside of your own decision making. But it's actually incredibly liberating. And it means that you can plan 
towards what you want. I mean, you mentioned product development can take a very long time to monetize, and that's absolutely right, including information products. So you can balance your time, for example, in service delivery versus creating something. And, you know, I, I would love to sit and write books on a beach all day. Unfortunately, that's not likely to keep the lights on nearly as well as freelance writing for other people. So it's finding that balance between trying to just do the creative stuff that's likely to be more long-term sustainable versus the, I'll write it once, you pay me once, and we move on to the next thing kind of work. Yeah. But the beauty of freelancing is you can design that for yourself. It's a lot more to think about, but it's a lot more interesting. There's a couple of reasons why you don't have that flexibility as an employee. One is that you just don't have the time because you're working 40 or 60 or 80 hours a week on a full-time job. But also, a lot of employment contracts actually say that anything you create, even in your spare time, belongs mm. to your employer, which makes it very difficult to create something on the side because it doesn't belong yeah. to you. And they wonder why people are quitting or taking multiple jobs or <laughs> trying to renegotiate yeah. <laughs> that idea of being owned by your employer. I'd like to think we can consign that one to history soon. Yeah, sadly, it's still in quite a lot of employment contracts. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I would like to consign that one to history too. <laughs> so let's talk about the flip side. I know you talk about this a lot on your podcast, but what, what do you find are some of the challenges of being a freelancer? Well, it will never bring you great certainty in terms of, if you're the kind of person who needs to know what you're going to be doing this time next year um, or even this time next week, it might not suit you or you might need to look for certain very specific kinds of activities. Some people thrive on that uncertainty and the potential that it offers. And there are always ways to build that stability in by way of retainers and, you know, finding longer term contracts if that's what you really need. I prefer to keep things very fluid because you simply never know what's coming down the pipe. But that's because a lot of the niches that I work in in future of work and emergent technology are changing really fast. And I don't know what are going to be the hot topics for me to be writing about in a year's time. They probably haven't been invented yet. But it does mean you've got to keep that one eye on the horizon the whole time Mm. and be ready to see the signs. I mean, for example, in Future of Work, collaboration apps were all the rage during lockdown. And so it was brilliant to see that explosion of people starting to grasp the potential of the way a lot of us have been working for many years. And so many startups got funded to build the next Zoom or to build, build the next Skype. Absolutely. They couldn't all survive. It was obvious and it was brilliant to be writing about them and comparing them, but I wouldn't have wanted to go all in with any one of them. And those are the kind of things that you have to see as potentially a bit of a bubble and then it will settle down and contract and we'll end up with a well-battle-tested set of tools that we all build on going forward. And that's the kind of thing you have to keep an eye on as a freelancer those longer term trends and how are we going to be working together in the future. But because the future of work and the future of technology and society is my passion anyway, for me, that's all part of the fun of it. And God knows I don't always get it right, but, you know, to spot the bigger trends (laughs) and then try and position yourself with the people who are building it. Predicting the future is hard. Yes. (laughs) I remember writing lots of tech prediction articles at the start of 2020. That was good fun, (laughs) you know, writing all these thought leadership pieces with people. What do you think are going to be the big issues? I mean, interestingly, a lot of them were right. You know, people were saying there's going to be more working from anywhere, more cloud collaboration and so on, but they didn't know quite how they were right. It's a little bit easier as well if you actually have some experience of the future, because like you, I've been working at home for a long, long time before the pandemic. So, you know, if you've been doing it for a while and then suddenly the rest of the world starts getting on board with the same thing, then Mm. you can sort of see how it's going to go for everybody else as well. 
So let's talk about working from home. This is kind of another of your areas of interest. Mm. So, so how do you find working from home? I just find it working, basically, because I've been doing yeah. it for a ridiculously long time. I started working from home 22 years ago, which is very easy to date from the arrival of my millennium baby, who is now yes. a millennium adult who's sort of towering over me and is also studying online, interestingly. Yeah. But yeah, so at, at the end of 2019, I was preparing to write the big how to work from home Bible that, you know, because yes. I really thought I had nothing else to learn <laughs> about working from home. I had the synopsis and the TED Talks and everything lined up for the new year when it was going to be business as usual. So we all know how that went. But for yes. me, working from home is just what I've always done. And obviously, a lot of people got forced into it. And often they got forced into it overnight. Prior to 2020, I'd done a lot of consulting work with teams and helping to actually introduce working from home or working offsite and as part of a change management process with proper piloting and evaluation. And, and of course, all that went out the window March 2020, it was just grab a laptop and try and log on and we'll figure it out from there. And yeah. with varying degrees of success and quite a lot of pain. And, you know, it's it was the experiment that we all wanted, but not the way we wanted it, obviously. And some people from that very first day were just longing to get back to the office and get yeah. back to normal. I think there's been an awful lot of people longing to sort of get back to 2019, which obviously isn't going to happen. The world has changed. The The whole context of the way everybody works has evolved and moved on. And what we need to do now is, is everybody figure out how to make the best of it in their individual circumstances. Just encourage everyone to consider the whole spectrum. It's not work from home or work in the office as a binary option. Yeah, There is so much more in between that, including the ability to travel and, you know, make the, the most of not being locked down anymore. Yeah, yeah. Working from home is one thing, but uh, working from a cafe in Thailand with dodgy internet is kind of another thing, isn't it? So, so <laughs> yeah. let, let's go there. What, what are your thoughts on digital nomadism? Well, it's such an interesting area. And again, it's it's blending all of these things that used to be quite discrete demographics. Digital nomads used to be a cohort of mostly young, single, sort of creative or development type workers, quite a narrow demographic cohort, whereas now mobility is available to so many more people. And we're starting to see a big expansion in remote employees, you know, people who yeah. are actually managing to negotiate a contract that lets them work, at least with some flexibility. And the, the smarter employers are, are realizing people want this and they've got to figure it out rather than let people discover it by stealth. And you only find out on a random IP check or when they're mugged in Thailand or something when you thought they were at home in wherever. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's not how you want to realize that they've been out of their medical coverage for months. So smart employers are starting to look at the limits of their contracts and what they can offer. It might be X days per year or, or something, or it might be that they have branches in different locations or they use employers of record. There are a great many solutions. You just need to put yeah. them in place. And if people are valued as an employee and they say, look, I really want to go and be here for a while, there's usually a way of figuring it out. So that's a huge trend in digital nomadism, that people are wanting longer term solutions. And not just from the employer side, from the statutory side as well, we're seeing this massive wave of digital nomad visas and remote work visas exploding yeah. all over the world. So making it really statutorily possible to go and be perfectly legal, working in somewhere the other side of the world, and then 
some of them come with great lifestyle benefits, tax advantages and all sorts of things. They're all different. They're all changing all the time. So you really need to check it out extremely thoroughly and see if it's going to be the one that works for you and your family if you're taking them with you. Yeah. But the possibilities have never been more exciting than they are right now. It's crazy, really, that we needed a pandemic to kind of make (laughs) these kind of things possible. I mean, before both employers and governments on the visa side just made these things so hard. The answer was always no, no, you you can come here for a month as a tourist, but you you want to stay longer and and do work. We're just not set up for that. So it's good that that kind of explosion of flexibility is happening, even if it did take a pandemic to, to get it to happen. Yeah, so it's still happening very unevenly around the world in terms of yeah. its distribution and rollout. And Spain still hasn't got a digital nomad visa, which I can't believe yeah. after all this time. It's really difficult now, sadly, for Brits to find a way to work here legally. We won't go into the political reasons why, because... You'll have to start beeping your podcast um, (laughs) when the started. But yes, remote work and digital nomad visas are the way to go. And hopefully we'll have more global coverage soon, maybe even some consistency between one area and the next to make it easier to move around as well as just to move. Yeah. So so you said that uh, some people really just want to get back to 2019 and want it to go back to the way it was. But there's also a lot of people who just you know, have had a taste of working from home and mm. do not want to go back to the office. So I sometimes think that it's the managers who want it to go back to 2019 oh. and the employees who want to stay working from home now they've had a taste of it. Why do you think that is? Why do you think managers want people to come back? Well, I think a lot of older, more traditional organisations arguably had way too many layers of management hierarchy anyway. And the mm-hmm. fact is, the the huge unlooked-for work-from-home experiment proved that some of them were superfluous or could be replaced by technology. By ways of making the work and the outputs visible meant that you didn't need someone going around looking over shoulders. And, you know, there is there is so much data now that the productivity is there, that people yeah. can get the work done in their own space, on their own time, you know, often without having to do this X to X hours per day or per week, uh, they might be happy yeah. working in the middle of the night or doing a few hours here and there or fitting it around their own lives. All of these things people would have seen as a massive perk and trust before people had to accept when they had no yeah. choice. So really to say now, all right, that experiment's over, you all have to come back to the office where we can see you. Yeah, And we don't believe you're going to work properly unless we do. That just really doesn't go down very well from people who have discovered something different. So, you know, people are starting to vote with their feet and make other arrangements in their life. Whether it's this awful phrase, quiet quitting, which is just like doing your job um, until you find your next one. Or to loudly quit and (laughs) simply (laughs) go and move on with your life somewhere else, whether that's early retirement or shifting to freelancing or whatever. You know, it's it's show people that there is something different to the path that they were on. And for a lot of people, there's no way they're going to go back to how things were before. For people listening to this who are in traditional employment and are thinking, well, I, I could do freelancing, I'd, I'd like the perks of working for myself and working from mm. home. What advice would you have for people who are thinking of quitting their job and going this way? I would say don't quit your job immediately. Do some of the thinking and planning before. So don't do as I did, do as I say. Um, <laughs> <which> is, <laughs> but that's, that's another story. 
Come and join us at the Future is Freelance podcast. It will make a great compliment to this one. We, we have an episode earlier this summer called Minimum Viable Freelancing, which is specifically designed to help you thrash out what's your lightest, leanest thing that you could bring to market with the least investment and preparation possible, just using what you already know to make a difference in the world. And then you can test yeah. that idea and get it out there. You might well be able to do that alongside your nine to five before you burn any bridges. And just see, you know, you might hate it. There are lots of people who love doing a thing, something creative and artistic, for example, and then someone says, oh, you should be a professional pastry chef or whatever, and then they try that, and then they come to hate the, the thing that they love doing. Yeah. So there's all sorts of reasons why your passion might not be your business, but you need to figure out where you're going to find that passion, even if it's in something relatively mundane, because of the impact that it has in the world or yeah. the changes that it's bringing or how it's taking you closer to something you want to see in your life or how it can create the lifestyle that you want. So I'd really encourage everyone to give it some serious thought and it might even just help you redefine what you need out of your employment or what's missing. And at the very least, you can then use that to try and renegotiate things where you are or see whether that's even possible. It might help at least get clear in your mind. Yes, maybe I'd it's not this job, but I could look for a different one, or maybe I could go part-time and then look to fill in some of the gaps with volunteering or consultancy or something else. I would just encourage everyone to think beyond the, this is it, this is the nine to five, they own me, and you know, I, I have to succumb to that until I, I throw myself out of it from a great height. So there, there are so many more possibilities in the world now. Maybe you just need to switch up the context, work from home or, or from that beach in Thailand. Um, but until yeah. you explore it, at least in your own mind, you'll never know. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. Listeners, if you'd like to listen to Maya's regular conversations about freelancing, solopreneurship and digital nomadism, search for The Future is Freelance in your podcast player. And you can find her books and courses and blog about working from home at healthyhappyhomeworking.com. And you can connect with Maya on LinkedIn or Twitter. Just search for Maya Middlemiss. Maya, thanks so much for joining me on the Quit Work podcast. It's been all my favourite subjects. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Quit Work podcast. I love talking to people who have taken the bold step of quitting their job to start living their true life. Join me for a fresh conversation every week. Subscribe to the podcast or the YouTube channel at quitworkproject.com. And if you have any comments on this episode, or if you'd like to tell your own quit work story, I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at quitworkproject.com or on Twitter or Instagram at quitworkproject. I hope you too find your way to quitting work and living your true life.